turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Well, you've made the calls, you've responded to the job boards, you've completed the questionnaires, mailed out dozens of resumes, and finally, it has happened. You've been called in for an interview. Live, face-to-face, honest-to-goodness interview, but now what? This is a critical time. This is, in fact, a make-it-or-break-it opportunity. The big question is, are you ready? Far too often, we focus so much energy and attention on getting the interview that once it comes, we fail and fail miserably. Well, we've got a safety net for you tonight in the form of Dr. David Petrove. He holds a master's degree in counseling and guidance, a doctorate in education with a focus on career development from both the University of Arizona and as a certified career development facilitator, joins us tonight in studio as uh, our sort of resident career development expert to help lend you some key insights on how to not break it, but rather make it in the interview process. And Dr. Petrove, great to have you with us once again. Well, thank you. And a happy new year to everyone. And you as well. This is an important thing because, as I mentioned, so often we work so hard in networking and contacting people, sending out resumes. We finally get the call back. Yes, we'd like you to come in for an interview. And then so often we just fall flat on our face. Why is that, generally speaking? Well, I think part of it, Craig, is that when people walk into an interview, they're probably not very well prepared for it. They haven't done their research. So I think today's program can be what I call a prequel to the interview. It's the time well spent in researching the company that you're interested in and determining from the get-go whether or not you would be a good fit for them. So how we prepare is going to then entirely determine how we perform at the actual interview. Well, think about it, Craig. If you, had, if you were equipped with a plethora of information about the prospective company, wouldn't you feel more confident as you sat across from them and it became more of an interaction as opposed to, well, they've got all the questions, and I sure hope I have their answers. And, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that, because at the end of the day, if you're about to go to work for this company, you're going to become a part of the team. It would seem logical, since eventually you're going to have to know everything that you need to know anyway, that you know a lot of that going in. And I guess a lot of that also then is contributory to a tremendous sense of, of confidence, so that you're not kind of walking into what seems to be this vacuum of, they've got all the questions. Gee, as you say, I hope I've got the answers. And I think that can be daunting for many people, is sitting across from someone, and as I said, hoping that you can answer the questions that they pose to you. Is the hiring authority here looking for a sense of accurate representation, and by that question, Dr. Petrovay, I mean that 
you're going to go to work for me. You, you, we're talking about potentially engaging your services as my employee. You're going to represent me. And so to know that you know something about my product, who I am, the values of our company, the direction we're headed in, who our competitors might be, where we are in the marketplace, all of these types of things, the, the better prepared you are in that arena as we sit down for our first one-on-one -on -one discussion is also going to make the hiring authority feel much better about you, isn't it? Absolutely. Think about two well-qualified, equally qualified applicants for a position, one of whom has taken the time to do the research and can walk in with that information. The other, just as well-qualified, has not done the research. Who do you think is going to impress that hiring manager most? Hmm. I shared with you privately off the air when I was operations manager here at the station many years ago. Typically, folks would come in for interviews for on-air positions and things of the like. And on more than one occasion, I would have an individual come in with great enthusiasm, sit down, ready for the interview, and their opening question for me was, so what do you do here? What kind of music do you play? <laughs> of course, immediately I had the indication, this is probably not the right candidate if they've come and applied for a job at a radio station of which they don't even know what we do here. Very unsettling from a hiring authority's position, isn't it? unsettling but not that uncommon mm, really? because the situation I was in once was we had narrowed the field of applicants down to three people and I personally contacted each of them and provided them with the website information so that they could do this research. One of the applicants arrived and his very first question was, so what position am I here to talk about? <laughs> And that was pretty much the end of the interview. Yeah, I would say that was probably the shortest one done yes, that day. Yes, yes, <laughs> So, again, it's being prepared. And uh, I think one of the reasons why people don't prepare is they don't know how to prepare. So that's really what we're going to talk about tonight, your little cookbook approach. All right, let's dive into that. Okay. Um, as we have said gone through the process of obtaining the interview. Now the work really begins. Not the day of the interview, but the time between the here's the appointment, here's the date that you're coming in. We've got a given block of time now to really do our homework. Where do we start? Okay, there are a couple of things that we want to take a look at, Craig. First of all, what is an interview? You know, and, and most people think, well, it's what you do to get a job. Well, actually, what an interview is by my standards, is a series of interactions that are designed to determine if the applicant is a good fit to meet the needs of the company. So if you notice, this is all about them and very little about you. Hmm. Okay? And that really sets things on its heels because typically we go in and we think, now you're going to ask me questions. This is all about me, but not so. No, it's really about you doing your research to see how well you fit with what their goals are. And so, like networking, which we talked about the last time I was interviewed, interviewing is about developing relationships. You're sitting across from someone. You want to have a relationship with them to where they want to hire you. They want to have day-to-day -day contact with you because they know that you're going to be able to do what they need to continue in their field. So... What you want to do is you want to make sure that your background and experience are what they need to make that happen. One of the other things that you want to do, and I've done this and it's been pretty successful, is find out who your potential boss is going to be and find out what their needs are. What are their strengths? What are their 
limitations. And if you can complement their limitations, it makes you a stronger candidate. Mm. Why? Because they don't necessarily want a carbon copy of themselves because they know how to do that work. But if you can come in and, for instance, with one of my jobs, I found out through networking that the CEO had a difficult time with the organization. So what do you think I focused on during the interview? Your organizational skills. And how they were going to make that person's life easier. This really simplifies this then. It comes down to sort of that sense in the marketing arena of find a need and fill it. If you determine what their needs are, Mm -hmm. and then I have a skill set, I have experience, I have background that is an ideal fit for that, then all of a sudden we're really looking at hand in glove here. Absolutely. And it's about having a commitment to their well-being. So, again, it's less about you although it's really all about you and what you bring to the position and how the two of you work together. Is that critically important to be mindful of at the very get-go? And I ask that question, Dr. Petrove, because it's not unusual for candidates to come in and within the first few moments of the conversation lead down to, well, tell me about the medical benefits that are provided by this job. What's the pay like? How many vacation days will I get per year? The focus is on me getting the job, getting the paycheck. Yes, we understand that. But in that interview process, that really can be a deal killer, can't it, if we suddenly just focus on what I can get out of you as the hiring authority? That's right. That's right. Because, again, in this situation, it's about what you have to contribute that's going to make them or continue to make them successful. And so there are two words that I see as the key to being a successful interviewer or interviewee, and that is to be yourself. So to be yourself, you have to know yourself. So you need to be aware of what your own strengths are, what your limitations are, what your talents are, what your interests are, what your values are. All of these come into play when you are even beginning to consider a potential employer. So there's almost a a pre-interview that takes place. In preparation for the real interview before the hiring authority, I need to sit down and essentially then you're saying, Dr. Petrove, interview myself, so to speak, to ascertain, because a lot of folks, surprisingly, have never really sat down. I mean, they've come up with a resume that delineates their schooling, where they worked, what they did there, but oftentimes it falls very short in terms of really going into the specific job skill set or talents and abilities, organization you mentioned is one. So do we have to kind of sort of pre-interview ourselves then so that we have a better sense of who I, as the product, Craig Roberts, are are representing to a potential employer? Well, you've just hit the nail on the head there, Craig. Who are you selling? You're selling yourself, okay? You're marketing yourself when you sit in that interview. So how would you market a product that you know nothing about? Mm. And everybody in sales will tell you, job number one is know your product. Right. And again, you are your product during this job search process. Really then, the more preparation that you've done in advance in terms of not only knowing the potential employer, the company, who you might be working for, their needs, and then being able to ascertain your unique talents, skill set, and ability to match those needs really then gives you the hand up in the interview process, doesn't it? Absolutely. And one of the things I have said to my clients is when you're sitting in an interview, which of the two parties has the most to lose? The general response is, well, the person being interviewed because they won't get the job. 
I said, you would think that that would be the response. It's actually the interviewer who has the greatest to lose. If he or she makes the wrong hiring decision, it can be a nightmare. Having been down that road before. (laughs) I have too. (laughs) Where you're sitting in due process meetings. This is not the way you want to spend your time. We've had to hire and fire how many people before we got to the right individual? Having that mindset in terms of seeing yourself as yourself, knowing your product, adequately and accurately marketing yourself to the interviewer, to the hiring authority can really be the difference between make it or break it then, can't it? Absolutely. You know, the interesting thing is, Craig, that studies show that at least 50% of Americans in the workforce today are unhappy in what they do. I wonder if those numbers would be the same if they had done their homework Mm. prior to going into that interview. And I would suspect, too, a lot of people stay in the so-called unsatisfying or dead-end job because of the fear of this process. It's like the individual who stays in a loveless marriage for years and years and says, well, you know, I've been divorced before. I don't want to be divorced. I don't want to be dating again. I'm just going to stay and put up with it, whatever the case might be. We, We make choices oftentimes based on fear of the unknown. Right. And people then are willing to sit and work in a miserable environment for how many years? rather than go out and find something that is a good match for who they are and what they have to offer. Now, let me be clear. I'm not suggesting that if you're not satisfied in your marriage, go ahead and get a divorce, try another (laughs) one. Like, you know, well, if I don't like working at McDonald's, maybe Burger King will be better. Uh, Obviously, there's a lot more to it. But in the arena of poor choices or becoming so terrified of the interview process, the job-seeking process, that you become petrified to the point where you're paralyzed – Therein lies the danger, because not only can you find yourself in a very unsatisfying job, but oftentimes a job where not only you hate to go in, but you're not self-fulfilled, nor do you really reach your full potential either as a human being or even economically for that matter. That's right. That's right. So this is what we call the dead-end jobs. They're all the, the ways in which people can convince themselves to stay in something that's just not working for them or their employer. If you've just joined the conversation tonight with me in studio is Dr. David Petrove. He, of course, is a career development expert. We are talking about the keys toward the successful interview. Contrary to common belief, uh, the work, once you've landed the interview, it doesn't end. In fact, it's really just beginning. Understanding what you need to know about yourself, the company, the position, and how you represent yourself, how you market or sell yourself to the hiring authority can be the difference between getting the job of a lifetime or staying stuck in the same old rut. We'll take a brief time out. By the way, if you want to get more information about Dr. David Petrove, you can reach out to him. He's got a website, davidpetrovecoaching.com. That's David Petrove, spelled just the way it sounds, P-E-T-R-O-V-A-Y, davidpetrovecoaching.com. You can also reach him at area code 650 That's 650-474-61. We'll take a brief time out. When we come back, go in a little bit deeper on keys to learning more about your potential new employer as our conversation with Dr. David Petrove continues here on Lifeline. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. 
All right, we're talking about the all-important interview process, what that means, and as we're learning tonight from career development expert Dr. David Petrove, so much of the hard work, the focus, needs to be well before you ever sit down face-to-face with the hiring authority. Preparation is the key, and of course, part of that preparation, as you mentioned, Dr. Petrove, is getting a chance to know who you may eventually be working for. And therein lies perhaps the question that many rise, raise, and that is, well, gee, uh, how do I learn more about the company? Do I get access to sales brochures? Do I go on the internet to get details? What do you recommend? Well, I think that there are a number of things that you can do, Craig. And uh, before you even begin that process, what I suggest to my clients is that in determining whether or not you should even be applying for a position, um, I have them create what we call a T-chart. I don't know if you've ever heard of a T-chart before, but uh, it's something that is used in our business. And basically, you just make the letter T on a piece of paper. And on the left side, you're looking at the job description that is being posted. And that's what they want. And you write down item by item. So they might say, we want five years experience. We want so much expertise. We want you to be able to do a certain type of programming. And you make as many bulleted items as are included in the job description. Then to the right of that, you have a second column. That second column says what I have. So if they're looking for five years experience, you put down I have seven years experience. So you're doing item by item. In some cases, you're going to notice there may be a gap. That happens. When there are too many gaps, that means you might want to seriously reconsider applying for this position. It's almost as if then you were sort of pre-screening yourself ahead of the hiring authority to ascertain whether or not you're going to be a good match for that company. Now, I guess the other converse question, too, is whether or not a company is going to be a good match for me. That's right. So if that's what you're looking at, what you want to do is to begin that research. And there are so many resources out there using the internet and it's actually fun to do because some people think oh this is going to be really daunting to try to figure out what these companies are all about but with the internet there's way more information available to us than was ever available without going to a public library and trying to do a manual search for what these companies had to offer and those were typically done by reading annual reports that type of information Uh, Some of the resources that people can use, one of them is called the Riley Guides How to Research Employers page, and that's R-I-L-E-Y Guides, G-U-I-D-E apostrophe S. And basically, it will give you tons of information about employers. The other site that's really, really helpful is one that's called Quintessential Careers, And on this site, there's a section called Guide to Researching Companies, Industries, and Countries. And this is an excellent resource because it provides multiple links. It will take you in just about any direction or any topic that you want to explore on a company. Now, how deep can we go, Dr. Petrove, in terms of the profile? I mean, beyond the primary nature of the business, we look at how many locations they have, can we determine how many employees, 
insights into maybe salaries, benefits, things of that sort? All of that really is, is included in these types of sites. And you want to begin to develop a system for how you are going to research these companies because you're going to find out based upon your specific industry that using one roadmap may be better than someone who's researching a different industry. And you'll get information about, as you said, salaries, locations, how the company has been doing. All of that can be available to you. And this can be critically important, too, not only in terms of having a greater arsenal of information available to you during the interview process, but I would imagine, too, wouldn't it be helpful to know that you're about to sign on to uh, Enron three weeks before? <laughs> yes. <laughs> three weeks before the SEC comes yes. in and shuts them down, something right. of that and sort. <laughs> we're absolutely going to talk about that, too. Uh, another site is called Jobstar Central. And this is a California library-sponsored website with organized research leads. And these leads are useful just about anywhere in the United States. And it also provides information on specific occupations. Where this might be helpful would be for someone who was thinking about a career change. Mm. Okay, And that's obviously something that comes into play when you're going into an interview. Well, especially I would think today with such a rapid pace of change going on with industry, particularly driven by technology and advancements where we see suddenly what had been a booming profession 10 years ago is now predicting five years hence its ultimate demise because we're being replaced by computers or machines or uh, there's a whole new direction taking place in that particular arena that's going to essentially put you into a dead-end job. And who who wants to start a a, a new career or head into a new direction only to find out two years later that, guess what, I'm, I'm going to be going out with a horse and buggy just like it got replaced by the Model T. And I think if you are a person who keeps up on what's happening in the world, you're going to know that there are specific industries that are headed the way of the dinosaur. Is this important, too, because while clearly we've seen a lot of people that have had and been forced to career changes because of the decline in the economy, and and especially after the big recession of 2008, that being more forward-thinking in that regard can really be the difference between maintaining a career, maintaining a salary, or having these huge peaks and valleys during the course of our career? Well, I think that is absolutely critical that you keep a forward-thinking eye to what's going to be happening. Uh, What we know now is the world, even five years from now, will be very different from the world we live in now. And I've heard that uh, our students who are in second grade are going through an educational system leading to jobs that don't even exist at this point. Wow. So it is a vastly changing world. I know that we used to talk about people creating 10-year plans. I never have clients talk about a 10-year plan. The most that we can project forward is about five years. And then, again, especially in the fields of technology, things that are the Star Trek types of technology that we thought of as fantasy, the idea that we have cell phones, one sitting right next to me that's handheld. Who would have ever thought that those communicators that they talked about on Star Trek would be almost commonplace today. 
I'm just waiting for an opportunity to get a phaser occasionally. You know, you, <laughs> that might come in handy. We're going to take a brief time out when we come back. More of the resources that are available to you where you can do your homework, your advanced research to make sure not only are you a good fit for a given employer, but if that good employer is, in fact, going to be a good fit for you. With us today in studio is career development expert Dr. David Petrove. More information on the web at davidpetrovecoaching.com. That's David Petrove, spelled just like it sounds, P-E-T-R-O-V-A-Y, davidpetrovecoaching.com. You can also reach him at area code 650-400-7461. That's 650-400-7461. And I might mention, Dr. Petrove, you have clients that come to you. You work with folks not only throughout the entire Bay Area, Northern California, across the country, too. Absolutely. On the web, davidpetrovecoaching.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Back to the conversation, Dr. David Petrove with us. He, of course, is a career development expert. We're talking about the all-important interview process. And sadly, this is where a lot of folks work so hard to get to, and then once they arrive there, completely, utterly fail. Because you fail to do your homework, you fail to know your product, that's you, you fail to know who it is that you're applying to. And therein lies one of the keys, as you were mentioning, Dr. Petrofe, just prior to the break, that are with the abundance of resources available on the internet, all places, all kinds of places where we can go to learn not only who this potential employer is, whether or not I'm going to be a good fit for them, but also whether or not they're going to be a good fit for me. Right. And so some of the other resources that are available, Craig, obviously the one that's the most obvious and the one that most of us use is just to Google the company. Just there's, again, tons of information available about these companies. The other thing that you want to do is go to the employee message boards. So the way that you do this is you go into Google and you type in employee message board and then add the name of the company. Well, I did this. And so I did it for one organization that I'm aware of. And what it gives, it's almost a Yelp version of what individuals deal with. It's kind of the insider's the viewpoint, isn't it? So how this can be helpful is if you're interested in working for a company, even if it's something that is perceived as negative, take a look at that and look for patterns. It might be that there are uh, the majority of the comments that are being made have to do with customer service. Well, why not use that when you go into the interview if your strength is in customer service? Simply let them know that you did your homework. This is an observation that you made based upon what you learned and how you can help remedy that problem. We're back to this notion to find a need and fill it. Right. Find a need and fill it. So some of the other employee message boards are on Vault, V-A-U-L-T, Monster.com, Yahoo Hot Jobs, and Wetfeet. And then there is another resource called Hoover's, which is H-O-O-V-E-R, apostrophe S, comma, Inc. And it uses its link to provide credit reports on company. So, Wow, that would certainly tell you something now, wouldn't it? Yes, it Kind would. of good to know whether or not a company is able to make its obligations, because it might mean whether or not they're writing me checks as an employee that they're going to bounce or cash. That's right. <laughs> that insight. is right. So, again, uh, there are lots of resources just go into researching companies, just Google that, 
and you'll get even more names. Now, let's talk about some of the specifics. In terms of what I'm looking for when I'm doing mm-hmm. this research, uh, there are some questions that I need to answer for myself. We always focus on the questions that I'll be answering on behalf of the employer. But some of the questions that I need to answer for myself as I'm going into this interview process, let's talk about some of that as it relates to research leading into the interview. Okay. Some of what you can learn by doing this type of research is what are the career paths within a company? What are advancement opportunities? One of the ways that people stifle their growth in a company is to be hired by someone who, and then be told, you know what, this is as far as you're going to get. And I have worked for these companies where there was little, if any, opportunity for advancement. So if you were a person who had the need to grow, which is descriptive of most of us, if you're told that the job you were hired in will be the same job you'll be doing five or ten years from now, is that going to work for you? Now, there are some individuals who say, that's exactly what I'm looking for. If that suits you, then that would definitely be something for you to pursue. Other information that would be helpful is to know what the mission and goals of a corporation or a business are. When you know what their mission is, you'll get a sense of whether or not it aligns with your values. Uh, One of the things that I've done when I've had problems with companies is I've looked up their mission statement and said, gee, the experience I had with your company certainly doesn't line up with who you say you are and what you're about in what you do. And in many cases, that alone has gotten me a positive response from the company. Can looking at things like leadership also be key? Because you might see a company who has sort of the, the, the rubber stamp version of a mission statement in terms of goals of growth and things of this sort. And yet oftentimes, who leads a company can say so much more about the kind of innovation that they engage in, the sort of what's the buzzword, synergy that is there in a company. Absolutely. And so one way that you can find more about that is to use a resource like LinkedIn. So who are the people who work in the company? What do they have to say about the leadership style? Uh, Is it a company that purports to be very open and receptive to what its employees have to offer? And yet you find out, no, they're really dictatorial. Mm. So... Again, you have to decide what is going to work for you. What's amazing about what you're suggesting here is not only can it be key in terms of being forewarned, forearmed going into the interview process, but might also save you an awful lot of grief a little bit later on. I think we all have either experienced firsthand or know of people who went into a job all gleeful and excited, and they start the job. Week number one, we're getting to know you. Week number two, I'm getting to know you. And by the time we get to week number three, we find out this dance isn't working, and people who suddenly quit jobs because they are so utterly disappointed in what they have signed on to, coming to the sad realization a bit too late that this is not a good fit. And then they have to start the process all All over over again. again. Yes. So why not take the time that's needed to do your homework? So some of the questions that you want to ask yourself and be able to answer are questions like, who owns the company? Where is it in its life cycle? Especially here in the Bay Area. Um, Many people go into what we refer to as startups. And we know that startups are structured in a certain way. And 
they have their problems as well as the exciting part of them. And you have to determine whether or not you're a good match for a startup. And the other thing is oftentimes startups are designed to be acquired. So you may have a very short lifespan with this company. Looking, too, at the end of life cycles, I would imagine, yes. would be important. I mean, That's to hire on to a company and then learn, oh, by the way, the founding president has passed away, the children have taken over the company, and they have no interest in running this whatsoever. So they've decided three weeks after you've become the latest employee to dismantle the company, sell off the pieces, and suddenly you find yourself once again out of a job. That's right. That's right. So the other thing you want to find out are who are the company's major customers and how stable are they? And what have been the trends with sales, assets, and earnings? Who are the key competitors? And this is what you can find online, all of this. How has the company positioned itself in the market? Is there a viable growth strategy? And in some cases, there isn't. So one of the things that you can do is you can acquire a business plan that a company has submitted. Take a look at that when you can. And again, a lot of this comes down to the notion that if you're going to put the effort and energy into obtaining the interview, obtaining the job, you want to make sure that it's going to be a company that not only is a good fit for you and you for they, but also a company that's going to be around for a while, capable of paying its bills, including paying your salary. We'll take a pause here. When we come back, we'll talk through some of the keys of now the day has come. What do you do? Our conversation today in studio with career development expert Dr. David Petrove. More information on the web, by the way, at David Petrove, spelled P-E-T-R-O-V-A-Y, davidpetrovecoaching.com. We'll be back with more as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Into the home stretch, our conversation today with Dr. David Petrove. He is a career development expert and career coach. More information, by the way, on the web at davidpetrovaycoaching.com. That's David Petrove, spelled P-E-T-R-O-V-A-Y, davidpetrovaycoaching.com, or you can reach him at 650-474-61. All right, Dr. Petrove, we are now at the appointed time and hour. What are some of the big mistakes, the pitfalls that people need to avoid going into that interview? Okay. One of them is the question that's always asked me, what should I wear? And you would think that would be obvious. I've actually done some research on the Internet. It's great if you're interviewing for a professional executive position, but that's not everyone. So my suggestion to people is... You can scope out a prospective place of employment if you're in the vicinity or you ask someone who lives in that area. When you see people coming and going from that business, what are they wearing? Do a drive-by. See Do what a drive-by. Like. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then the rule of thumb, dress one level up for the position. So if the if the corporate culture is uh, khakis and open collar shirt like I'm wearing today, that's fine. But day number one, dress to impress is still important, isn't dress it? Dress to impress, absolutely. And uh, what I did once that was definitely how this works was when I was living in Arizona, I was looking for a work for work at a resort, 
And so I did my drive-by, and I saw the uniform of the day. So what did I wear to the uni- to the interview? The uniform of the day. You're ready to go to work. And that's exactly what happened after the interview. They uh, and it, when it came time to when can you start? Can you start right now? You're already dressed for the job. <laughs> I love it. So it it can definitely be an advantage. It's also a way that you're branding yourself. It shows a sense of pride in who you are. So that's why it's important to have your hair cut, all of the other things that we typically think of. And it's an important message, too, because you can always dress down. Absolutely. I don't know as a hiring authority that you're capable of dressing up. So if you come in a notch above the normal attire, I know that you're capable of looking your best. It also shows a sense of respect, too, doesn't it? Absolutely. It Not does. only in, in the position that you're applying for, but a sense of respect for yourself, too. Right. And again, that's branding, the confidence that you have in yourself. And who knows? They might be creating an image of what you would be like in a higher position based on how you're dressed. All right. So dress for success. What next? Get to the interview on time. Nothing is a better deal breaker than showing up late. So in preparation, I suggest that if you can do a dry run, you take traffic into consideration, make sure that you're there at least five minutes beforehand. If not earlier. I mean, get there early and go to Starbucks if you need to. One of the things a lot of people, I think, forget is oftentimes the hiring authority, you're not the only interview that day. There may be two or three or seven or eight all calculated in a row, one right after another. If I show up 15 minutes late for an appointment, don't assume I'm going to get 15 minutes on the backside, should I? That might mean that that 20-minute interview is now down to just five minutes. And it also says to whoever is interviewing you, this person may have time management issues. Mm. And if they're not here on time for an interview that is so important in terms of their future, what kinds of problems are we going to run into once they're hired? In the process of the interview, obviously we're going to be engaged in the give and take. We've talked about a lot of those keys. Can you just summarize for us as time winds down tonight, Dr. Petrove, what are some of the things that we need to make sure we get across during the course of that interview? Okay, one of the things that you want to do, Craig, is to have your stories ready. And what I mean by this is look for what is key in terms of that T-chart information that we discussed earlier. There was what they a, need and how I can fill right. it. Right. Mm-hmm. So you need to be able to create stories around that. And the way they are done is through a technique called a PSR. And the P stands for problem. S stands for solution. R is for result. So if I ask, for example, how long have you been involved in sales, don't simply answer 10 years, but incorporate into that answer maybe a success story, or maybe as you are answering a question, present a problem that you were handed, how you thought through the solution, and then what the ultimate outcome was. Right. You're already then in that process demonstrating to the prospective employer what kind of capabilities you have as an employee to be self-motivated, think on your feet, resolve issues, attack problems, and be self-motivated, as we say. Yes, and one of the things that is a caveat to that is oftentimes people who are applying for positions during the interview will use the term we, and they're referring to a team that they were on. And I say, unless a company is hiring an intact team, 
you have to be very, very careful of that we approach. You only want to talk about what your contribution was to that process if you were part of a team. And it shows that, again, you are a problem solver and that you are results-oriented, which is what companies are all about. The other technique that people use is something called a sandwich technique. And this is a little secret that we use when the question is asked, tell me about one of your weaknesses. And first of all, the worst thing that you can say is, I don't have any weaknesses. <laughs> That's your first weakness. <laughs> That's the first weakness. Okay, You're not very realistic about being a human being. But what you want to do is use the sandwich approach, which is you begin with a positive. And the positive has to do with the behavior that you're going to describe having to do with the specific job that you will be performing. So it might be in my field, one of the things I used for my sandwich was, well, it's very important that we have an objective point of view when working with clients. That's the plus, the plus side. Here comes the negative. It's the middle of the sandwich. When I first began this job, I found it difficult to disengage from the personal problems of my clients. Okay? There's the negative. There's my weakness. So what I learned to do was how to have a healthy detachment from their problems while still giving them what they need. So in that sandwich approach that you have presented really a challenge, the problem, the salute, the weakness, and how you overcame that weakness, which, again, communicates to the potential hiring authority your skills, because everybody understands, even if you might be convinced otherwise, there's no such thing as a perfect employee. Nobody has all the answers. Mistakes will be made. We're not concerned about the fact that you're going to make mistakes. We anticipate that. It's how you're able to overcome those mistakes or shortcomings that really leads to the kind of employee that I think most employers are looking to engage. Right. And also the way the human mind works, when we're presented information, what we tend to recall the most is the last information we're presented with. So I've given you a way that I've accommodated for this limitation. The next piece that we tend to remember is the first piece of information presented talking about why it's important. What we tend to remember least is the middle. Now, the final question for you in our conversation tonight, and that goes down to the final question. Typically, most hiring authorities will wrap up the interview by saying, do you have any questions for me? One or two quick answers, if you would, Dr. Patrave. What's appropriate to ask? What should be the third rail, so to speak, that we stay away from? Okay, so some of the questions that are ideal, describe your ideal candidate for this position. You want to see how well you've done, uh -huh. okay? What specific problems are you hoping to solve over the next six months? What are the goals for this department? Where do you see your company five years from now? And the ever important one where everyone says to me, why didn't I ask this? What is your timeline for hiring for this position? What you absolutely want to stay away from is... What are the benefits? Mm -hmm. What does it pay? What does it pay? <laughs> uh, you don't even address salary during the interview. If it comes up, you deflect it by saying, I think we're a little premature in having this discussion. I know that when the job offer is made, we can come up with a figure that works for both of us. I guess the final point is once this process is over with, oftentimes people forget 
um, as you say, sometimes the last thing spoken is the first thing that we remember or the only thing we remember. The follow-up thank you email or better yet even a handwritten note really can leave an important lasting impression on the hiring authority, can't it? Absolutely. So one of the things that you always want to make sure that you leave an interview with is a business card or business cards of those who have done the interviewing so that you can send a personalized thank you. Again, remember you have those two highly qualified applicants. They're running neck and neck. One sends a thank you, one doesn't. Which one do you think will be held in greater stead? We have just scratched the surface. Would you like to go deeper? Check out Dr. Petrovay's website, davidpetrovaycoaching.com. That's David Petrovay, P-E-T-R-O-V-A-Y, coaching.com. Or you can call him for an appointment at area code 650-400-7461. That's 650-400-7461. And let me not leave out the thank you to you, Dr. Petrovay, for being with us and sharing some great information. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.